Would you care to step outside? Warning, DC and RMD contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Awesome. Oh, sorry. That's your signal. That means we have to go now. All right. Hello. Welcome, everyone, to DC on RMD. You can find this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search DC on RMD. I am Michael Flores, and this is the Superman and Lois edition in the studio today with me is just David. Hello, Dave. Hello, everybody. Steve and Bob will be back next week. Um, they're going to miss a great discussion today. Oh I will God, say dude. that. They picked a heck of an episode to actually miss out on. Because I'll say right now, I honestly feel that this is my favorite episode of the entire season. I mean, it had the best reveal ever. I didn't even see it coming. Which is very rare nowadays when it comes to television because, as I always say, Dave, we are not in the golden age of television. We're in a time where TV is very saturated. There's so much content, and a lot of it is not as good as it should be. Yeah. And to have an episode of television that actually throws you, and you don't really see what they're doing, but then when they actually do the reveal, you're like, okay, I buy it. And I get it. I, I, I see what you've been doing. Well, I, the thing I really appreciate, too, is nowadays, especially with, like, superhero shows, there's, I don't know, there's a lost art into doing the big, quote-unquote, reveal or, like, a Luke Skywalker moment, as right. everyone's been chasing. And this is kind of like a Luke Skywalker moment. It's a little smaller in scale. You're talking about the Mandalorian Luke Skywalker moment? Yeah. Yeah. Where you do this beautiful reveal that basically just catches everyone off guard and leaves like fans emotional about it. And this, in this episode, if you ask hardcore star, uh, uh, Superman fans who know the mythos, who know all the characters and when they reveal basically someone's true identity after this whole time when we thought that they were doing something was very was very risky in introducing quote unquote Captain Luther uh, and bringing in supposedly Lex Luther and everyone was like oh okay they're gonna they're 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 going to go this route they're just gonna tell another retelling of a character only a villain this time and it seemed really okay everyone was fine with that you know it was a retelling of a mainstay uh, mainstay villain of Superman. But you could always tell that basically people were not happy with it because it just was what I feel is way too simplistic. And like a lot of superhero shows just do that. They just do the simple thing and go, here you go. Here's here's this big reveal. And they're not and doing that. They're, they're not, not doing, doing it. They're not actually going down the simple expected routes. And that's one thing that I'm going to give a lot of praise to the showrunners here, the showrunner and the producer. Oh, absolutely. The fact that they're willing to do the work. They're not just giving you an episode and expecting people to believe that this is what they've been doing the entire time. You watch an episode like this, you're like, okay, you guys have done the work. I can see now that you've told me the answers, I can see that this is exactly what you've been doing. Yeah. And on a side note too, Doing something like this in this episode right now is so, for me, really important just on the fandom level because we're already talking about, you know, outside of this show about the Superman, uh, the status of Superman when it comes to kind of like everyone saying, well, they're going to do a different version of Superman outside for the main movie. It's good. They're going to go for an African-American Superman. And me and you have discussed about this. It's kind of like, why are they doing this when they have such a... Didn't we actually bring up steel? Yes. <laughs> and they and I was like going, they have such a plethora, a yeah. plethora of characters they could draw on who would do wonderful in a feature film. And then all of a sudden you have the show in Superman and Lois that had very little fanfare. At first, I will say me, you, Bobby, and Steve were the ones 
just yelling at the at the rooftops that people need to watch this because it is a good show and it's a good Superman show. Yeah. And now it's starting to gain steam and I'm like looking at people saying, this is how you do it. This is how you show the universe of Superman. Superman, there's so many characters they could do. Yeah, there's the, the universe is so large and that's why... And we're getting off topic just a bit, but it's still relevant to Superman because just to add to your point, Dave, because I completely agree 100%. The universe of DC is so multi-layered, it's so robust, and yet all we ever really get to is Batman, Superman, and now recently Wonder Woman, and then rinse, repeat, and then start over, reboots, you know, we're going to start all over again, here's a new universe, and we never actually have a chance to really get into a multi-layered Superman story, whether it be movies or or TV shows Yeah, because of that. Whereas with this series, I'm so grateful that this series is being done the right way and they're using characters that we don't see or have really have never seen in a DC TV show. So I'm definitely thankful for what they're doing. All right, Dave. So there are tons of reveals in this episode, yeah. they definitely answered many of our questions. And we, of course, will be talking about and breaking down. If you have not caught on yet, we're going to be talking about episode seven of season one titled Man of Steel. I just love how everyone, including myself, just assumed, oh, a Man of Steel episode. They're and talking episode, about yes, Superman. Superman. Yeah. So honestly, I'm a bit surprised that they gave us as much as they did. It leaves me to think that anything is possible at this point. Absolutely. Especially with how expertly the misdirection has been all season so far pertaining to the Captain Luther reveal. Yes. And as you mentioned, I just didn't see it coming. And we've been dealing with Luther. You know, the fact that we haven't been dealing with Luther at all is awesome. But uh, this character known as John Henry Irons, Irons, who's known in comics as Steel. Yes. And in regular DC canon and continuity, he's a hero. Absolutely. He's a good guy. And he actually replaces Superman for a very small time after he was killed by Doomsday. And we'll get into all of the details and sort through everything and how it pertains to this show in just a bit. Um, But first, I want to say that with how early we got these reveals, I have a feeling that we will sort through this mess over the next few episodes. And by the end, we will see Steel and Superman possibly team up to battle Edge's army he's building. Either Edge's army or I'm thinking at this point, just because at the way they portray Superman, especially in this show, is Superman is what I feel is the perfect hero. If he knows something is wrong, he's going to go do something about it. So... He will. I want. I would love to see him try to help Steel or John Hen, uh, John with his homeworld. Yeah, and now listen. It has to be a very shaky alliance because of the backstory, right? Absolutely. But we can't end the season. In my DC nerd opinion, we can't end the season with Steel being a nemesis. He just can't be. They're they're allies. And the comic books. So yeah. there's got to be a way eventually to where Clark or Superman, I should say, wins Steel over. There has to be that moment. And the thing is, is I can see it happening. I'm not stressed or worried about time because we still have almost 10 episodes left to go in the season. Yeah, we've got a long really way to go. so much they can do. And that has me really excited with the amount of reveals they have given us and how much time we have left. And yet it doesn't feel rushed. We're only on episode seven, Dave. And yet everything feels so concise and well orchestrated. Yes. And we're and at no point right now do I feel like we're racing to the finish line. No, we're just not we're, at all. We're getting like this well paced story. It feels like we're just getting started. Yeah. And now we're now we're introduced to this other player and the one thing I've noticed is like throughout all the episodes, I've been kind of like really intrigued of how the main story arc is going and they keep introducing these elements that elongate or basically keep, keep the story arc mythos building. Yeah. 
And I'm like going, this is really fantastic. And then when I think about it, just like what you said, we only have 10 episodes left. That's a lot of episodes to cover. Well, with how much they've covered in seven episodes. Exactly. I mean, that's why I said at the beginning of the show, like literally anything can fucking happen anything at this point. Anything can happen. We haven't even, we barely scratched the surface on, I still say John is not our main nemesis. He's not the main nemesis. I think it is going to, uh, John Henry. Irons. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think he's he's, he's the, not. He's the main nemesis. He's a dilemma. He's a problem. He's, a he's uh, the end of the second act, essentially, to equate this or you know parallel this to a movie script. But yeah, he is the the a vital aspect of the narrative and of the myth arc to create the suspense and the many potential problems that. Kal-El can find himself in yeah. himself in, but yeah, he's not the villain of the show. I think I think the main, if you want to say villain, it's, it's Edge. is Edge. It's and, Morgan Edge. And we'll get to this in a minute because I think there's a bigger villain at works hiding in plain sight. That's right, Dave. And we'll get into that theory later <laughs> in the show. All right. So this episode, the synapsis, Clark struggles to help Jordan, who is grappling with new with new power uh lois enlists clark's help which leads to a surprise encounter all right so this episode was directed by david ramsey aka diggle from yeah. arrow <laughs> which jesus dude that guy fucking delivered i think we can all agree with that absolutely yeah written by jai jameson all right so reveals as we have said the stranger isn't a luther after all nope He's actually John Henry Irons, the man destined to become the DC comic hero, Steel. This was an episode that was extremely important for the overall myth arc of the season. Writer Jai Jameson pulled back the curtains and we got much more than just simply a peek. We learned that although the stranger is from a parallel universe... He is not who we all thought he was, but instead he was just a regular dude that appeared to live a happy life in Metropolis with his wife, Lois Lane, and his daughter until something triggers Superman and all hell breaks loose. Now, Dave, what triggered Superman? Keep that, <laughs> keep that there for a moment because we're going to circle back. Now, as I've said before, I'm not a fan of flashbacks, Dave. I'm not. In fact... When they introduced the flashback aspect earlier in the season pertaining to the stranger and his earth, I did sigh a bit, not because it was bad, because I got scared. I'm like, okay, so is this how we're going to learn about this character is just through flashbacks? Yeah. And it, it just, it didn't sit with me well because flashbacks are typically used as crutches. Yes. You know, writers that don't know what the fuck they're doing. And so it's not because I don't think they can work, but, they can. That's not the reason why I dislike them. But 90% of the time, they're either used in a pointless manner that serves nothing other than an aesthetic or to explain story or character development in a way that feels extremely lazy. It's lame exposition. It's used to do lame exposition. I mean, like, me and you have talked about this nauseam in many, many <laughs> shows that have used this trope. Yeah. And I know Bobby, Bobby basically despises it after, you know, seeing it used in, in, uh, the CW countless times where they use a flashback to explain something instead of, I don't know, trying to do something to your story and narrative and connect it without having to screech your entire show to a halt. Well, the biggest <laughs> culprit of the flashback bonanza that it became was, the arrow versus arrow. arrow. Yeah. Now at first, the first, I'd say two seasons, it worked just fine. It flowed. It felt like it was planned. Like it was a part of the show. And then later seasons, it became more of a, a way out. A crutch. Yeah. Well, we're not sure what we're going to do or how we're going to explain this. So flashback. Flashback. Exactly. It's, because like the first, if you look at the first two seasons, which I do say that the first two seasons of Arrow, I love. They still stand up. They still stand up. Yeah. But the reason why those or flashbacks, that use of flashbacks works was because it was used in a style. It was, it was used like almost like a film noir type of style storytelling. And also it's nonlinear storytelling. It's not necessarily flashbacks. Exactly. Yeah. 
and it became flashbacks. It became flashbacks later. just yeah. plain yeah. later on in the season. Yeah. It's usually a sign of poor writing. You know, essentially you're trying to artificially force a story to go in a direction it originally was not supposed to. Yeah. But how Helbing and his team are using these flashbacks, specifically in this episode, it's more of a way that connects the dots. It takes the mini breadcrumbs that have been dropped since the pilot and they it helps bring all those elements more into focus. You know, flashbacks are writing devices that are supposed to help clarify narrative decisions, not escape routes for shitty writers. Well, it's also, and that's typically how they're used. It's like, oh, shit, I didn't think about this. And we don't really know anything about this situation or thing or character. Um, flashbacks should do the trick. Yeah. It's just but, lazy because it's ill-planned. It's ill-planned. Ill and at least here in this this particular show, they don't just use it to explain a piece of mystery, but they also uh, continue the the themes of the show. Like, this whole show is about how... Clark is at odds and no one really trusts Superman right now. I mean, even his own father-in-law who started on his side suddenly by like, remember episode two, episode three is like suddenly second guessing himself. Yeah. His own children don't even trust him because why he's Superman. And the, the whole theme that the whole world has turned against Superman and doesn't trust him continues on when you see that John Henry Irons comes from a world where Superman cannot be trusted because what does he do on John Henry Irons world? He utterly takes it over like in some kind of, you know, super villain mass comic book type of takeover of all these Kryptonians. It almost feels like what's that shitty crossover I hated in new 52. Uh, with the the bad heroes. Oh, you mean uh, villains? Uh, Year of the villains? No, I'm talking about from the New Fifty Two. That was Rebirth. Um, trying to remember. I think they're from like Earth Three or something. Remember the oh the the you mean the uh just the the syndicate? Yeah, the syndicate, crime syndicate. That's kind of the vibe I got. I know that's not what it's going to be, but it did kind of feel like that. Which is fine. We're dealing with DC property. And if the writers are leaning on similar elements that belong in the DC world, it helps add more authenticity to the world that we're working in. If you're dealing with real DC vibes and themes. Yes. All right. So let's get into this Luther reveal a bit more in depth. Let's break it all down. So a few things. The Luther reveal. We can all agree. We liked how they did it. So we're going to just move past that. Uh, We were given confirmation that the stranger or irons is from a different universe. And after much speculation, I should say is from after much speculation, it's been stated that he is from another world or universe. So we can put that to rest. That was a common topic that we have uh, discussed since the pilot episode. Now we have the answer. It's not time travel. It's not, um, what do we say? Time travel, right? Was the other thing? Yeah, time travel. It's not time travel. Uh, it is simply a character from another universe. Now, that type of a re- reveal could have gone terribly wrong. It could have gone sideways. Oh, easily. But easily. the reason why the entire setup worked so well was because the misdirection was absolutely magnificent. Yes. By including elements that we as an audience would assume were so focused on what version of a Luther he was that that's that that's the element they gave us to focus on here, guys. We want you to focus on Luther. Who is he? He's Captain Luther. Is he from another universe? Is this not the Arrowverse? It, we had so many questions other than what we should have been asking. Exactly. I love it. That is how you properly misdirect an audience. You yes. give us things to focus on. Not half-assed concocted things that we can see from a mile away knowing that you're trying to misdirect us. Yes. Like the first season of Star Trek Discovery. (laughs) All of us knew what was happening. Exactly. Despite the misdirection, it just wasn't enough misdirection because we all called it. Yeah. Now, this is different. This is true misdirection. By including those elements that we as an audience would, in fact, focus on. 
we never stop to think that he very well could have been someone else. Someone not, else. Not one of us, even the blogs, not one blog said, well, maybe he's not Luther. Maybe he's this. And I'll never say, heard it. Never heard not it. Not once. Even not Helding. Once. Dude, if, that guy played the game really fucking well. And I, oh yeah. I want to give him kudos and I want to give him props for a lot of reasons. Number one, we're living in an era, Dave, that um, reveals are very easily spoiled usually because actors do interviews and they're on social media and same thing with the writers. They don't know how to keep their mouth shut. They're always talking. They're always yapping. They're at conventions talking about this, talking about that. And no one did that with this show. In fact, Helbing fed into the lie when they asked him about the stranger. And then in the pilot, we had all assumed he was Captain Captain Luther. Luther. What did Helbing say? Well, you know, we didn't mind John Cryer's Lex from Supergirl, but this is a much different show with a different feeling. Do you remember he said yes. that? Because he was feeding into the lie. And listen, I don't feel slighted. I thank you for lying. Well, thank not, you not for not, you know, saying, well, he's not Luther, wink, wink, because that's what so many writers do now on these yes. social media platforms. They all want likes. They all want the attention from the the twitter audience and the uh, they want to create the water cooler talk and what happens is you just get a lot of things just spoiled for you because they tell you little things you're like well if you read between the lines i already know what you're telling me i know what you're saying is going to happen and they didn't do that they definitely held it down (laughs) well you know the thing i really do appreciate too is wool parks who plays John Henry Irons. I'm going to, I'm not referring to him as the stranger anymore. I'm not referring to captain Luther. He is John Henry Irons or steel or steel. And Wool parks didn't even know that he was actually John Henry Irons till he saw the script That's awesome. for, for this episode. And he, I read an interview where he said he got emotional. So he kept the secret. So he didn't even tell the actors. Well, he didn't know how you do it. Yeah. He didn't even know till he got the script. I love it. And then he was like saying in the interview, the thing I really love and it just makes me root for him even more. It's, it's kind of similar to like the argument that me, Bobby and Ryan debated about, about how, how do you build a actor up to play a major role you know like especially when we covered uh falcon and winter soldier we kept saying hey sebastian stan can can he carry his own series can you know sam carry his own movie and here wool parks in this one episode i'm like going he won me over and said i want to see a steel show with him especially with his his daughter imagine a series where he's dead yeah. At least we assume. We assume. We assume. We don't know yet. We don't even know about his world. Well, in the comics, the Natasha character that I believe is the name of his daughter. Yes. That's actually his niece. His niece. I and she say. becomes she becomes also a steel like character also. Yeah. And we'll get into that a little bit later. We'll definitely break yeah. down who this character is. He's actually very important to the DC world. But I appreciate Will Park's performance in this particular episode to the point where I'm like going I want to see a John Henry Iron series. I wouldn't mind if they actually did a quote unquote spinoff mm-hmm. to John Henry Iron steel in his own series, you know, in the quote unquote Superman universe. And also what just put it over, as I was saying, was like reading the interview where he says he got emotional because he remembers growing up reading comics and then getting steel. That's awesome. And basically getting a chance to play a character that when he was a kid, he rooted for because Steel, you know, during during the 80s and 90s, Steel was the new new hotness, so to speak, in the DC landscape. I thought Steel was, I thought he, his origin story came from the rise of the rise, Superman's death. The rise death. of Superman's death. Well, isn't but, that in the 90s? Yes. Out of, out of all the, all the, the four Superman that came out of that. Everyone basically says Steel was the most popular. Yeah. And that's why even because of his popularity, it started Milestone Comics, which was a breakthrough in itself. And I could go on a whole history lesson about that. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So, yeah, you're right, Dave. But I just, it makes me think. Okay. So 
we have this iconic, and I'm going to call him, if you're a Superman fan, Steel's iconic. Steel's iconic. I'm okay. sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I agree. Um, I agree with myself because I'm the one who said it was iconic, and then you agreed, and then I agreed as well. <laughs> as well. I just want to say, what a stupid fucking writer that got fired. Remember that writer that we talked about that made this huge stink on social media you saying know, that there are no black heroes in Superman and that this is a racist show and that she tried to voice her opinion <laughs> that more people of color need to be introduced to this show that everyone was white except for villains normally and I'm like you are dumb no, normally I wouldn't want to dogpile with you on no. on, on, no, on bashing people no no yeah we do <laughs> but dude yes this, that woman I, I, that I, woman and her ignorance exactly could have destroyed the show yeah it could have destroyed the show and yet I will again sing praise to helping and Berlanti for sticking to their guns yes and not acquiescing to bullshit social media and all the things that go on on social media where people demand things. They didn't even pay attention to the woman that was causing all these problems purposely right when the show premiered. She started doing her little round of interviews and the fact that this character ends up being one of the coolest black DC superheroes. <laughs> yeah, forget Cyborg. Forget Cyborg. Oh, no. Not even close, <laughs> dude. I steal. I mean, I do I do like Cyborg from Doom Patrol, but that's like the Cyborg only version. But that's the, the only, only version, version I like. Yeah. <laughs> that's the only good version. So. And at least with Steel, we have a good version of Superman. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, in addition to telling us things about... Um, John Irons, like where he's from and who he is. Additional answers were revealed. Uh, the flashback sequences that were designed to be from Irons perspective showed us that he had a happy life, as I had mentioned. And uh, he had a kid with Lois until something triggered Superman. And he started obliterating Metropolis and presumably the rest of the world. But the question is, to what end? We don't know, nor do we know what triggers soup to do these types of things. Now, I was under the impression, based on the earlier episodes, that, okay, this in this universe, he's just not great. He's a bad guy. A little bit of, you know, possibly corrupt. We don't know the whole story. But it turns out that he was apparently good in Irons' universe as well, because yes. they were all surprised. They knew who he was when they saw him flying in the middle of Metropolis, and then they were all shocked that Superman did what he did. Yeah. So something triggered him. And now that's the new question, Dave. That's what we're going to be discovering, or I should say sorting through over the next however many episodes are left, because that's a big question. What happened? Because that question will be what? I should say, let me backtrack. That question will have a bit will have a lot of bearing on what happens in this universe. Yeah. You're going to see parallels now of things that potentially could turn Superman evil that would justify why Irons is here and possibly even add to the to the suspense that this is what happened in this universe and then suddenly Irons sees how it's all falling into place. Yes. So questions were answered and then more questions were presented. And that's how you should do it. That's how you write an episode of television. So during our last episode discussion, Steve, Bobby, and I, you were not here, Dave, right? No. We were talking about how the stranger knew where the ex kryptonite was. Now, if I follow the story correctly, Morgan Edge from his universe had used X Kryptonite yes. for an army. So things would appear like so far they are unraveling in a very similar fashion. But there still could be some differences. Yes. And these are key differences that could alter what Irons' worst fear may be. Number one, Lois. Lois is the key here. She always has been, at least with the stories I've read, plus his family. Yes. Elements that it would appear Superman didn't have in the other in the universe. universe. Exactly. And we all know that Lois and the Kents, in fact, this is a common topic 
whenever we talk about Superman. We all know that Lois and the Kents are a vital part of why Kal-El is the way he is. Well, it, his connection to human- humanity, his assimilation into the masses is due to his social circle and his family yeah. upbringing. Well, especially when uh, John, uh, John looks at him and doesn't refer to him as Clark. He refers to him as Kal-El because that automatically. Well, he doesn't was, know that he's Clark. Yeah. But that automatically kind of like told me that in his universe, his quote unquote Kal-El possibly is not connected to the Kents anymore. He's not Clark Kent. Yeah. And the one element, the one theme that's been interwoven throughout this entire season that I think that is one of my favorites is showing the strength that this is what makes Superman great. It's not just his powers. It's the way he was raised. It's his, it's very it's his important. parents. It's extremely important. Yeah, yeah, it's the relationship he has with Lois and, his, and now his sons. I don't think he would be necessarily evil, but if you listen to many of the things that his father has said in comic books, his real father, his biological father has said in comic books and even some of the movies, right? I'm not saying Jarrell was bad. I'm saying that there was a bit of a disconnect between their species and and the human race, and as we saw race. in other stories. Yeah. And it's very important. I mean, look at uh, Red Sun. Right? That's a, is that, it Red yeah, Sun? Red Sun. Red Sun was a comic book that was, I guess, essentially an Elseworlds title. Yes, it was. Where it presented a question, essentially. What if Superman was, okay, what if Superman did not crash land in Kansas? What if he crashed land in Russia? In Russia. And was raised in a environment like Russia right with the and, communist party and what was the story if you remember he wasn't necessarily evil he just didn't fully have that that connection to humanity being raised you know behind the kremlin in a communist country it was a very different outcome for mm-hmm. him he wasn't bad but he wasn't the epic hero that he is in our universe so i should say in the regular stories that are considered canon and continuity and that is usually typically connected to Lois and the Kents. And the Kents. That's the reason why he became the Earth's savior and became such a great person is because it's his true connection to humanity. His, and in this TV show, it's not just the Kents and it's not just Lois. It's his boys as well. Well, especially in the episode that I law that uh, I, I missed out on one of the, one of the thing, moments that basically just epitomizes that is when Clark gets shot with kryptonite bullets. Yeah. And at one moment, he can unleash hell on the entire people with his with his heat rays. He chooses not to because he fights the urge to, just releases it away from everybody because he can't hold it in anymore. But it's the fact that he held it in. He pulled he pulled back. And why did he pull back in this episode? Because of Lois, and because the kids. of Lois and the kids, Lois told him that's enough, or it's done, or it's over. I believe that's what she said when he went up to steal after he was knocked out with the uh, truck slamming into him. <laughs> <laughs> so, yep. not that Superman was going to go hurt him. I mean, he's not an evil person, but he he was getting ready to continue the fight yes. to make sure he's down. So that to me was a very vital part of the episode because it's showing the importance of Lois and his family in his life and the part they play. And that may be the biggest reason, at least when you're comparing this Earth Prime to the universe that Irons is from. They have to distinguish what happened. What changed? What changed? What changed? What is different in this universe that is that is. uh, that is so blindingly obvious. And I feel like that's one of the big things they're going to definitely reveal. And I'm sure it's going to be connected to Lois and his family. Oh, absolutely. Especially when you, when, when they finally revealed, I mean, basically to everybody that John, John's wife was Lois. Yeah. So I'm like going, there's already one element that's different from his Kal-El and our Clark. Yeah. Lois isn't there. There's obviously not that connection. There's not that connection. And on top of that, if Lois is not there, he doesn't have two sons. 
Right. He doesn't have the two sons that basically he, he might raises. be just the ultimate bachelor. He might just be plowing hot chicks. <laughs> Listen, if I was Superman, that's what I would be doing. <laughs> you'd be you'd be Homelander. Yeah, every <laughs> night be, is a date. Yeah, I'd be Homelander. You'd be Homelander. Yeah. Come here, ladies. <laughs> because that's what Homelander Give me is. some of your breast milk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now there were a few things that were murky, not due to bad writing, but because they're they're adding some layers. Because during the flashback sequences, they called the army in Irons' universe, they called the army that started destroying Metropolis with Superman, Kryptonians. Kryptonians, Now, perhaps something starts as one thing and then ends very differently. And, of course, I'm talking about the Morgan Edge element. We know Edge is having problems with keeping his subject stable, right? Yes. Okay. And now we combine that with the Leslie Lar aspect. She's a known Kryptonian from, I believe, Kandor. Yes, she is. In the comic books. In the comics. So it has me thinking, perhaps she's not a true creation of Edge. Perhaps she's buying her time. <laughs> okay. And Edge is a means to an end. Maybe she's working Edge. Maybe that flashback we saw, the destruction of Metropolis... Perhaps they really were Kryptonians, and Leslie Lar in that universe used Edge to free more Kryptonians from Kandor. I'm I'm glad you're going on this on wouldn't, this wagon that with make me. More sense that would actually <laughs> yes. make a lot of sense, and it would you know explain Leslie Lar's true involvement because this episode, Dave, it seemed like she was very much on her game. And yes, she used her hearing to help Edge, but it also seemed like something very different was also going on. It seemed like something else was going on, like she had smiles on her face as she was listening in, almost as if everything's going according to plan. And perhaps Edge's experiments are destined to fail, but he's left with the legacy of opening Pandora's box. box. Exactly. And that's why when I started, when I thought, when I, I want to take this further, this wagon that you started us on. And if you want to talk crazy, like we all know that the, a big bad is coming. And right now to John, it's Kal-El, but we all know it can't be Kal-El. Something had to have basically switched him into quote unquote evil Superman and we know it it has to be tied to the Kryptonians. Well, possibly. Well, they that's were, what I'm saying, because it does look like he was under... He, doesn't, he didn't look himself. Yes, he looked like he was under control. And the fact that the world knew him as a good person, and exactly. they were all shocked that this happened. Yep. Yeah, something happened. And I don't know if it maybe maybe the Kryptonian um, people... Again, we are we are really speculating. We're reaching. Here, we're reaching. Perhaps he felt camaraderie with the freed Kryptonians in some way. Maybe he was being controlled. I, yes. I feel like that was a little lame, though. If he was being controlled. Now, here's here's the why you bring up free Kryptonians, Mike. Is why I say, in my brain, I would like to see Zod. Listen. It- <laughs> Zod. They can make it work. Now, people don't know Candor, but... Exactly. Candor, for you non-Superman nerds, was, or is, in the comic books, the only surviving city of Krypton. Yes. And it wasn't revealed till way later in DC comic history that this city existed still. And they were essentially a city that was put in a bottle. And I believe, if memory serves me correct... It had to do with Brainiac, correct? Yes, that's Brainiac. the other way I'm going. Okay. Now, I don't think they're going to bring Brainiac. It's just too much to go on, Dave. But, It'd be too much. But we do know that the idea of Candor is that they are trapped, essentially, in this bottle. Yes. Now, if Leslie Lar escaped or she found out about Candor and her entire agenda this season without us even knowing it was all about possibly freeing Zod and her group. Exactly. Now that could work. Yeah. That could definitely work. And that's why those two characters are the ones that everyone at the very beginning was like the, it's Lex Luthor. We're going to get Lex Luthor. No, no, no. You guys keep forgetting that Superman does have his rogues gallery. 
And for me, right now, story-wise, the only two characters that make sense coming into this series right now is either Brainiac or Zod. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, no, well, okay, Dave, I have a question. I don't know if you keep up on Supergirl. Has Zod been introduced in Supergirl? I don't believe so. I don't, I don't think so. Luther has. Brainiac, yeah. I believe, had, but it was actually like the future Brainiac or something. I mean, not that it, if we, that only matters if we're in the Arrowverse. And again, that's still up, up in, in the, the air. air. How, however it is looking after this episode, it does seem like possibly we're either in the Arrowverse or a, or a world very similar to that world because again we still have you know they did bring up the multiverse they were very much in the know of the multiverse uh, according to Lois I believe she mentioned it right and when they were in the car yes um, but we still have the aging process here the 13 year old kids <laughs> it's exactly so if we are in the arrow verse then we are in the future then that's where we have to be. We have to be 13 years in the future. 13 years That's in the, the future. That's the only way it would make sense. Yeah, and then at that point, the the problem with, I know that a lot of fans want Superman and Lois to connect to the Arrowverse because a lot of... I, I don't even care at this point. It, You'd I, be surprised. I, I've been seeing so I many know. like CW fans wanting them to say, this is our universe. This is, a, super, this is our Superman. Okay, Dave. And I'm like going... The only issue, the, the biggest issue I have with this, especially if they try to connect at this point, Superman and Lois to the Arrowverse, my biggest question is, okay, where's everyone? It's never going to happen. It's not going to happen <laughs> at this point, Dave. It's, um, if this is the Arrowverse version of Superman, honestly, I just don't care at this point because the show is just so great. Same here. That I just, that I just don't care. I, I really don't care. But I don't want it to be contaminated with the Arrowverse aspects. And I honestly believe the writers don't want that to be the case either. Because they are trying to do something very different with this show. Yes. And not just in the way of writing and tone, but in the way of marketing as well. I mean, they just dropped the first five episodes uh, before they returned from their COVID break. They had put the first five episodes on HBO Max. Uh, they're on uh, syndication on TNT. Uh, it's on TBS. They're doing tons of encore presentations on different networks owned by Warner Brothers. Yeah. You can't get people to watch a Superman show on HBO Max if you require them to have watched Arrow, Legends of Tomorrow, The Flash, Supergirl, you just can't have all those connections and expect new fresh audiences from HBO Max to give a shit about Superman. Superman. In fact, there's a lot of people because it debuted on HBO Max, and this is a testament to the quality of the show. There's an entire article that was put out based on this. Apparently, a lot of HBO Max subscribers thought that it was a new HBO produced show, and they were very disappointed to see the show removed after its limited release on HBO Max. So that should tell people that their plan is not to get bogged down with Arrowverse bullshit. Their plan is to get as many people as possible wrapped up in the show. And it's working because yeah. they don't have the baggage or the funk from the Arrowverse. Yeah. So whether we're in the Arrowverse or not, it just doesn't matter at this point. I don't see them really delving in there'll be loose connections i'm sure if it is in the Arrowverse, we're going to get those loose connections but i don't feel like they're going to make it a big part of the show ever it's just not no unless the show completely falls apart and the ratings start to dip then maybe but as long as they keep doing the show the way they're doing it i don't foresee that happening i don't either because like they're, they're just such on a good roll right now to try to placate Every fan's dream at this point would muddy the water. Listen, the it, only dream I have, Dave, you know what my dream is, David? You know what it is? To just have a good Superman show. Yes. That's my dream. And that's this is every, what we're that, getting. That should be everyone's dream. Yeah, that's all I want, David. <laughs> that's it. That's it. It's an easy thing. All right. So let's talk about Steel a bit more. All right. So the 
The character Steel, John Henry Irons, is a fictional superhero who appears in comic books published by DC Comics. He is a genius engineer who built a mechanized suit of armor that replicates Superman's powers and bears Superman's logo. Yes. Initially, he, he sought to replace Superman after Superman was killed by Doomsday. After Superman was resurrected, Superman accepted Steel as a comrade. He wields a sledgehammer. This is a reference to the mythical railroad worker, John Henry. Yes. And he has a niece named Natasha Irons, who is also a superhero in a similar mechanized suit of armor. Okay. So this character, if you want to learn more about him, obviously there's some comic books that are pretty great. But if you want a very quick introduction, I would suggest that people... You're an HBO Max subscriber. You'll have access to this. Just check out The War of the Supermen. Is that what it is? Yeah. The War of the Supermen. War of the Supermen. It's not a great adaptation of a comic book series, but it does the trick. It introduces you to the various Superman characters, and one of the main characters in that animation is Steel. Yes. And that would give you a nice little, I guess, uh, some reference, right? It's a, it, a fair it, amount of reference, especially when you're beginning to understand and learn about this character, because that whole series, while oh no, the reign of the Superman, not the War of the Superman. No, War the, of the Superman was in the 2000s was odd. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, Reign of the Superman, because like in that one, they back in 1993 they tried to reintroduce four different types of Superman to replace Clark. Yeah, <laughs> now people might not realize that. Irons was actually referred to as the Man of Steel. Yes. And was later shortened to Steel by Superman himself. He's all, listen, I don't need you fucking. <laughs> that's my fucking name, bro. <laughs> it's, it's what, you going to fuck my wife, too? <laughs> oh, wait a second. He does. He's, he, he, does. Low- <laughs> he does. <laughs> that dude just assumed his identity in another universe. <laughs> He landed him. <laughs> okay, so what about this? Let's get into real. Just because I had this thought. Now I hate getting into these types of fan theories because it's just <laughs> it's just stupid. But what if Superman became bad because he was resurrected after Doomsday and it didn't go over well? Much See, like the idea from Snyder's Justice League. Justice League. That would make sense. And because he's almost like he's not even in full control of his faculties. Of his, of his faculties. That would and also, then, wouldn't that also work with the surprise they all saw, they all had when they saw Superman flying? Yeah. Why would they be surprised that Superman's flying? Exactly. Unless they haven't seen Superman and in a while. I'm wondering if they're even going to connect the death of Superman. Dude, and that would actually make me happy as a Steel fan because that would actually be pretty accurate to his origin story it would i mean although now hold hold on one second though dave they didn't necessarily say he became steel after lois died yes for all we know he could have been working on some idea of steel well after superman died no because like the the if i'm not correct they kind of alluded to the fact that the suit was not created by him no the hammer was yeah. The hammer was the, the weapon that basically beat the shit out of Superman. Yeah. And, but the, the, the suit of armor that he used was made by Luther. Yeah, Dave. So that means, again, the fact that we have all these ideas, that means that goes right back to what I said at the top of the show. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. I mean, like, th- that's the thing that's really interesting to me is kind of like, okay, where are they going to go next? And the, and the fanboy in me, Absolutely wants to see, you know, like steel at the end of this don the suit again, but also be, but be in the color scheme of Superman, just like how he is in the comics. That would just make my day. Oh man. And listen, we got to have him wear the Superman logo logo, which means by the end of the season, they have to become comrades. They have to be comrades. And yeah, we have exactly. plenty of time to make that believable. Plenty of time. Absolutely. You have a lot of time still, which is amazing to me. That- Especially, Dave. All of this makes sense. Okay. Now, if this was any other CW show, I'd be like, this is, I'm, I, I would call shenanigans, <laughs> shenanigans on myself for even assuming this. But, Dave, everything's so well orchestrated. 
what if, because this is about trust, right? That Superman made a point to say that he had to gain the trust of humanity, that every day he works to maintain that trust. Now, what if moving forward into the next following episodes, that trust issue is once again brought into play, brought into play. because he has to earn the trust of irons. Of irons. Exactly. That's how I see the next couple of episodes is Clark wanting to do, as I said, do the right thing because that's who Clark Kent is and try to earn the trust of irons to help him try to stop what Morgan Edge is doing because for it's obvious that Clark feels that whatever it, Edge is doing is what caused the destruction on Irons' world. Yeah. So isn't this exciting though? Yeah. Like, isn't this awesome that I don't think I've been this excited for anything on the CW in a, it's gotta be at least five years. Yeah, I know. It's, it's so weird. <laughs> it's so I, weird. I'm, I'm actually anticipating every single episode on Tuesdays. I keep telling people about the Superman Lois show that are comic book fans. I keep telling them you guys need to watch Superman and Lois because it is the best DC show going today, you know, and this is coming from someone who my favorite DC show by far right now has been doom patrol. And well, yeah, doom patrol is amazing. Doom patrol is amazing. It's not right a CW now, show, but right now, yeah, like with the current landscape of all of what DC has put out there, Superman and Lois is the only thing that I find joy in. And listen, not everyone's going to like it. Dave, I agree with you. Not everyone's going to like it only because they may not like Superman because it is family friendly for the most part. But that is Superman. You can't have, you know, a mature Doom Patrol rating or a Titans rating for a Superman show. You, you, I'm sure it could work with some directors. Yeah. You know, but... I'm actually happy with the, the the family values and the tone of the show because to me that's a better representation, a more accurate representation of Superman stories. Of Superman stories, but also for me personally, especially this is this goes to like my current thought process on comics in general, especially coming from DC side, is there has to be a point when you get sick and tired of everything is bad. You know what I mean? Not everything has to be Batman's universe where everything's grim and grimy and exactly and, and, and evil. <laughs> I, I don't mind dark, dark tones. I don't mind dark it tones. Mean everything can has to be governed by that. Yeah, but to, lately, especially in like TV shows, the only shows that have gone away from that. Doom Patrol kind of go straddles that line of being dark, but the one show that just epitomized to me what a fun superhero show was before Superman and Lois was Star Girl. Yeah, Star Girl was like it, that was the epitome of what superheroes should feel like. Yeah, no, I agree. I think Star Girl is a fantastic show, and just so it's stated, Star Girl was not a CW production. Again, yeah. It was a DC Universe production that got resyndicated on the CW. And honestly, I was not looking forward to the second season because it was going exclusively to the CW. But after Superman and Lois and seeing what obviously they're capable of doing over at CW, now I'm not so hesitant about the second season of Stargirl. Man, yeah. if we can get start two great shows, Dave, finally, they have two really fun DC shows. Yes. And that's uh, the key. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. It has to be fun. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Doom Patrol is fun, but Doom Patrol can get serious sometimes. It gets really dark. Yeah. No, this is a good <laughs> reprieve. I love darker, mature shows, but yeah. sometimes you need a break. You and, need a break. And this feels, this feels right. This feels that, that need. All right, so I guess there are no complications with Jordan. I had, I don't know if you listened to the last discussion, Dave, but I had theorized. I did. Okay, I, did. Yeah. I had theorized that Jordan was having complications due to yes. his human side and Kryptonian side possibly conflicting. They're not going in that direction, which is fine. It just is, a, apparently Jordan is just developing his powers. Yes. And he's having difficulties with it. 
this side of things was a bit light this week as the focus was on super versus steel. Um, so there wasn't a lot there, not a lot to talk about the melodrama. That's the only negative for me. The melodrama was a bit much for me. Jordan going after his brother because he was talking to Sarah and that felt that on, was honestly, that might've felt a bit out of place for me when you know that Jordan and or when we've seen, we have seen that Jordan and John have a really good relationship. Absolutely. And for Jordan to accuse his brother of going after Sarah, that doesn't even make sense. He would know his brother would never do that to him. Well, especially since, I mean, the last episode, your brother broke his hand for you. <laughs> yeah, it, it felt a little fucky. A little fucky. I don't know if I buy it. And, and that's I what I mean. Like, I feel like if they would have done a rewrite on the script and got rid of that, just that tiny aspect, it would made, it would have made more sense. Now, if he had had the exact same, now if we have had this exact same scenario, Jordan listening in on Sarah and John, that would still work. And maybe he might even be bothered by it, but then he, you know, shuts it down because of the invasion of privacy and he stops listening. And the fact that his relationship with his brother is, one of the strongest things right now, because that's the whole point of that. They've been showing it is like the one thing that saves the brothers is their closeness and their relationship. And when you have, when you, when, when he did that, it seemed really off to me and and weird point, because I was going to connect this to your point from last week about how this was an example of, Maybe Jordan, his Kryptonian side coming in into into play was the fact that, yes, suddenly he's becoming more aggressive. He's becoming more alpha male in this one. That's why, you know, he lashes out in this episode and it's supposed to be a hint that, you know, that that Kryptonian side that you mentioned in the last episode is starting to come out. Yeah. And that's part of the powers. That would be the only logical reason you would have this that that scene happen in this episode where he lashes out at at John uh, at John because it's like your brother's had your back this whole series at this point. I mean, down to the point that your brother broke his own hand to stop you from punching someone. And yeah, for me, that was a traumatizing event. That should have been a really and it was a traumatizing event for Jordan because he ended up hurting the one person that he trusts most in this world. Yeah. And then suddenly in this one he's very aggressive towards him because Jonathan uh Jonathan shows interest in Sarah and I'm like going this is this could be evidence of like what your theory was from last week. Yeah. His Kryptonian side's coming in and I'm hoping it's a little more of that. Yeah, I, I feel like I agree with you. I feel like the idea of him just, you know, it being in pain because he's developing powers and that was it. I feel like that was a little weak. And the way you ended the episode on that cliffhanger, it should have been something a little more lasting in a, you know, in a weird sort a of way. More serious. Yeah. In yeah. a weird sort of way, Jordan is going through Kryptonian puberty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. All right, Dave. So let's go to a very quick break. And then when we get back, we're going to jump into our final thoughts. We are running a bit late, so we're going to have to end this pretty quick. We'll be right back. Would you care to step outside? This is studyfinds.org reports Generation H, many millennial, question mark, by the way, is out of Sheffield, United Kingdom. Has the quintessential handyman become a thing of the past? Question mark. Homeowners used to take pride in repairing and maintaining their home. Why are you reading question marks? What's uh, Morse, Morse code? code? The uh, Germans have evaded. Full stop. <laughs> well, news, to make, he's doing he's, he's to make a sure, newsflash. Yeah, to make sure that people understand it was a question. <laughs> this just in. This just in. This just in. Millennials may not be able to change light bulb. Stop. Survey finds. 
Question mark. Full stop. Next message. The Germans have invaded. Full stop. Question mark. <laughs> My God, Tony, did you hear that? The millennials can't change a goddamn light bulb. I heard the Japanese star, uh, surrendered the other day. That wasn't what he said. Oh. Fucking listen. Pearl Harbor has been attacked. Stop. Question mark. Hiroshima is gone. Full stop. Wait, we Question lost Pearl Harbor and now they lost Hiroshima? That's a fair trade. Question mark. <laughs> Go ahead, Steve. Homeowners. Welcome to the news <laughs> The Rain Man Show. Exclusively on Rain Man Digital. Head over to RainmanDigitalMedia.com for more details or search for it wherever you listen to podcasts. Free stuff is awesome, but free stuff that will spice up your bedroom is even better. Just go to adamandeve.com and select almost any one item for 50% off, and then we'll load on the free stuff. Just enter this very exclusive code, RAINMAN, at checkout, and you'll get 10 tantalizing free gifts, including a sexy item for him, a special toy for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy. And six extra special bonus items that are sure to rev your engine, pique your curiosity, Mm. and even blow you away. Plus, free shipping. Always sent in discreet packaging. Go to adamandeve.com now. Get 50% off plus the 10 free gifts when you enter the exclusive offer code RAINMAN. Again, that's RAINMAN. Because without it, no free stuff. That's RAINMAN at adamandeve.com. All right, welcome everyone to DC on RMD, the Superman and Lois edition. I want to thank everyone for sticking with us. All right, Dave, give me your final thoughts. Final thoughts in a nutshell. Honestly, this is my favorite. I said at the beginning of the show, this is my favorite episode of the entire season right now. They did a fantastic reveal with a, a hero that I'm glad they brought to screen for the first time. Um, Bringing in John Henry Irons is just fantastic, and it 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 basically slaps everyone in the face that basically feels that there's no black heroes in DC. And I'm like going, "There's John Henry Irons. No one's make make it be a deal about it." It also makes J.J. Abrams and his looks crew like an look idiot. stupid because this is what they should have done. This is what they should have done there's exactly. No, and there's also an actual black Superman as well. Yeah, but, and but no, but no. And then, like, the whole reveal, too, was done to perfection, in my opinion. And just like all the points you pointed out, I mean, this wasn't forced. Nothing in the episode to me was forced except for the point that you said about, like, if you didn't come off of the last episode seeing where Jordan's going and maybe getting the hint that, you know, he's becoming more aggressive, that's why he lashes out in this episode, if you didn't know anything about the last episode, you probably would have saw that that particular scene scene. That's like CW melodrama, but I'm going to give the writers a benefit of the doubt because at this point they've shown that basically they're not those type of writers that just give melodrama for melodrama's sake. So I'm really intrigued even more so by where they're going to go with Jordan and John's story. So what's your percentage? My percentage on this one is a 98 98 yeah oh my this lord is my favorite david you just blew your load all <laughs> over the place all over my face <laughs> okay so this episode was everything i mean as a superman fan i couldn't be more delighted by what we were given uh, the Superman obliterating Lois with his heat vision. Oh, I mean, man. that fucking hurt the soul. That hurt the soul. Especially if you love those characters and you know how important, of course, most people know how important Lois is as Superman. And to see that in this parallel universe, he just cold heartedly just annihilated her. Yeah. That is such a powerful statement in so many different ways. The misdirection and not letting us know that. Irons was not a Luther. It just, everything worked together. This episode, it just brought so many of those elements and those breadcrumbs together in such a fantastic way. It's satisfying, but also your interest is peaked because they introduced new questions. So I'm looking forward to what they do now, David, I probably to be perfectly honest with you, Dave, I probably would have given this episode a 98% as well. Maybe I was leaning more around 95, 96. 
But I feel like that Jordan aspect, it, it just didn't work for me this week. And I've never, I have not had any problems with anything they've done with the boys. I feel like they've been just written very well and they're charismatic. They're very likable characters. But Jordan going after his brother just didn't sit right with me. It fell off. And I know he's going through Superman, Kryptonian puberty, and maybe he's not thinking straight. That definitely can be the case. But then that should have been brought out to our attention a bit more that maybe he's not thinking straight because with a show like this, that's just written so well, they would do that if that was the case. But I don't think that's the case. I think it's very simply he felt jealous and lashed out. And I feel like that's out of character. I don't, I think that goes against Jordan's characterization, what we've seen so far in the six prior episodes. So because of that, it's dropping to a 91%, but it would have been, you know, right around you, Dave, because it is so fucking good. Well, if they explain the situation even in more depth, in retrospectively, you'll be fixed. Yeah. All right, so this does bring us to the end. I want to thank everyone for listening. And do not forget to visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Digital and pledge anywhere between $1 to $10 a month, and you will gain access to additional discussions pertaining to the world of geekdom. It helps us stay on the air. The only way we can we can continue to do these shows, patreon.com slash Digital. Thank you, David. Thank you. And good night. Who are you, bitches? Mother of God! Would you look at the time when you came here? You had an hour.